You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to We Are West Ham, another week and in what is becoming the new norm for me, Charlie Hawkins, Will Pugh and James Jones. Once again, we're not in the studio together. I've got to admit, I'll put it out of the way now, starting to miss the guys, having a little bit of banter, seeing them each and every week. But the state of their haircuts, I'm pretty glad that it is another week of isolation and lockdown because it is not doing them any favours. But I just want to take it back very quickly. Last week, we promised you a truckload of guests, and that's exactly what we've done today because joining us on tonight's show, not only do we have Jacob Steinberg from The Guardian, who is also a West Ham fan, but delighted to say the Kamita twins, Rosie and Molly, will be joining us, formerly both played for West Ham women. They're on the show to tell us everything that is going on for them so far. Gents, three guests, what a packed show and a big guest, which we will tell you about at the end of the show. You're going to want to stay around next week and tonight for that one. But as we always, we start at the very top before we get into everything. Not only have we had some very good reviews, I always give you two glowing reviews. James, kick us off. You are the champion. How are you feeling, sir? How's everything going in isolation? Everything's great. I've had a really good week after last week's triumph. Yeah, I've had a really positive last seven days. Um, woke up with a smile on my face every morning. Um, had my hair cut on Saturday. My wife did my hair. So um, I'm feeling refreshed. Like a new man in this isolation. So, um, and I still don't really miss football. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I feel great. I feel great. Will, on the other hand, doesn't look, doesn't look as, as positive as I do. Well, to be honest, James, I was a little bit worried. You mentioned the new haircut there on Saturday, and I thought I was having a mental breakdown because this <laughs> week I bought myself a new pair of rollerblades. But having seen you and that, I don't really know what? how to. <laughs> I don't hang know on, how to hang just, on. I mean, we'll move on to the rollerblades in a minute. Mike, we'll do one mental breakdown at a time if we can. But I'm, I know Lucy did it, and we've got a lot of time for Lucy after a surprise appearance on the show a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> 
But uh, that haircut, I'm sorry. I think stick to the day job. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can't really attack a man and go for a man when you, you start in your opening statement, Will, and say you've just bought rollerblades. <laughs> Absolutely, Charlie. It's, uh, as we all know, lockdown, we're allowed out of the house for one hour a day just to do a bit of exercise. And quite frankly, as I mentioned on the show last week, I'm bored of running again already. And I thought I used to do rollerblading when I was a kid. I was pretty tidy. So I thought, why not get back into it? So straight on eBay, nice little um, direct postage package. I should be arriving in the next <laughs> couple of days. So I'll, uh, I'll let you know. I did actually buy a new bike as well. So I think um, lockdown's officially getting to me. Hope you bought some uh, some elbow and knee pads and a helmet. You know, safety first and all that. Mm. <laughs> Funnily enough, there was, uh, was a couple of pairs I was looking at. Obviously, I didn't just rush into this such a big decision as it was. And uh, now I did I did decline the pair that come with a free pair of elbow and knee pads, <laughs> such as my uh, capability on a pair of blades. Well, Will, you do reek of someone that would get rollerblades. I can see it now. Rodney Trotter, you know, uh, when they go abroad on holiday and he's, and he's whizzing down in the groovy gang trying to win first place. Will Few, what a, what a sight that would be in any lockdown. I would travel uh, a certain amount of miles just to see that happen. But we did say in the last couple of weeks, we've set up a new uh, email for not only you to get in touch, maybe a couple of suggestions. We always appreciate any reviews and feedback and any time you want to get involved in the show and that's exactly what people have done haven't they will yeah that's right yeah i think um joseph's got some uh, had some more positive reviews which we really love to see those coming in i think um yeah when we mentioned it last week we've had a few more or mentioned it a few weeks ago and we've had a few more since but yeah the new email launch that's uh we are west ham pod at gmail.com we are west ham pod at gmail.com for anyone who wants to get in touch let us know, you know, what they want to hear about, any guests they'd like to hear from, what they're up to. And, uh, yeah, we had a couple of good ones this week already. And uh, my favourite one here was from Thomas Boylan, who just said, another excellent podcast, chaps. Uh, the Rogue Player Saga continues, swings and roundabouts. Uh, he said, I, I got the Sean Newton one myself without a life-size poster in my room. So I was a little bit put off by that. But my favourite part of, uh, of Tom's email that he's read in was uh, I've got a, we've all got a little bit more time on our hands, and I've been having a daily fitness session with my two daughters. It's not up to Joe Wick's standards, more like Joey O'Brien, which uh, <laughs> I thought was nice. That's the yeah, Tom Boylan getting in touch, but yeah, we want want to hear from uh, all of you, especially at a time like this. Everyone got a little bit more time on their hands, and others have obviously got um, frontline workers who've got more important, more pressing matters mm. than, uh, than us sitting at home and, and doing our podcast. But yeah, we want to hear from all of you. So we are westhampod at gmail.com. Uh, get in touch. Thanks for Tom for, for getting in touch this week. Yeah, and James, it's been a really big uh, last couple of weeks for you two guys on the show. We've had some great guests, obviously. Tony Carr, Jacob Steinberg's joining us uh, tonight. Sam Incasol, Rashane Thomas. You know, it's been a real good few weeks uh, for the show and obviously last week it was a bit of news to us when Tony Carr was speaking about his own family at the minute in COVID-19 and obviously another little bit of news we want to talk about tonight Jimmy Greaves but it is good news isn't it James? Yeah he's, he's, he's out of hospital seems to be making some uh, some progress it's really great to hear that you know he's out of hospital and and on his on a road to recovery um, and obviously uh, Tony Carr last week he said that you know um, he he seemed to be sort of, you know, he's a strong, strong man. We all know that, you know, we know how good he was at, at football. So um, it's great to hear that he's out, uh, he's out of hospital and, and on the mend. Hopefully he makes a, a full recovery. 
uh, pretty soon. Yeah, pretty soon. It's great news to hear that. And obviously, we're still thinking of Tony and his family at this time. We'll definitely get Tony on in a couple of weeks. But there is, as there always is every week, Will, and you and James will be the first uh, to know about it, still loads of West Ham news. And once again, never one to shy away from those headlines and what she thinks is Karen Brady. But she's been making something more, Will, some sensible comments in the last few days. Yeah, that's it. I mean, she uh, she has the Sun Sport column, as uh, all the West Ham fans by now will probably know of and be aware of, and certainly have their own opinions on it. But yeah, I read the read the one this week, and it, like you say, it was fairly sensible to be honest, Charlie. It was just along the lines of you know how well, the the Premier League needs to be needs to wait basically and needs to slow down and not to rush back. Uh, amid all this coronavirus, talking about player testing that there's going to be, needing to test managers, staff members, and unlike a lot of a lot of clubs at the moment who who haven't particularly conducted themselves particularly well, and it's obvious that Premier League clubs are set to lose hundreds of millions of pounds because of this pandemic, especially if they can't uh, play out the rest of the games and broadcast them in particular. That's where the money will be lost. But yeah, Karen Brady calling for a bit of restraint and just saying, you know, it's all important and we do all miss it. But um, ultimately, there is no point rushing back because um, the, the, the important stuff needs to be dealt with first. Yeah, dealt with. And what did you make of the comments, James? Because obviously she's been in the news, whether uh, for good or bad, what she's made of this whole pandemic and this unprecedented time. But as Will said there, uh, slightly uh, a little bit more common sense at the minute. Yeah, no, I completely agree. You think, you know what she says is absolutely absolutely right. If we rush back the Premier League, then you know there's even more risk of there being um, you know a second wave of this, of not just in football, just in, in public in general. So you know sport has to kind of um, take sort of back seat a little bit, and we need to make sure we can get sort of you know society um, up and running uh, before we can even think about another ball being kicked. Uh, um, any, at any level of, uh, of football or any sport, really. So she, you know, she makes a good point. I think it's just it's another indication of the club going about the situation in the right way, compared to uh, the way a lot of other clubs have behaved um, and are going about their business, whether, whether we think that's right or wrong. Um, I think it's you know I think what she says is right. We need to keep out, keep realistic about when we can expect football to be back. And at the moment, there's no real sign of that happening anytime soon. So we kind of just got to be patient and just sort of let it take its course. Yeah, Will, and James mentioned there before a ball's even kicked again. Well, there's been sort of a gaming ball kicked because in, in better news, in more positive news, there was a, a E-Premier League tournament going on today. Ryan Fredericks taking on Burnley's Dwight McNeil. But in typical West Ham fashion, he's been knocked out in the cups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, we had the, uh, the the only success we've had in e-sports so far in this lockdown has been Declan Rice's victory over... Mason Mount as the one-off. Mikel Antonio got an absolute pasting by Ryan Sessegnon of Tottenham when the actual London derby was supposed to take place. We didn't do particularly well in the tournament that Leighton Orient set up. And uh, yeah, now uh, it was half past two today, I think. Um, Ryan Fredericks, we could have faced either Arsenal or Watford if he'd won in this tournament. Uh, and the winner, all the proceeds go to the Players Together initiative. But yeah, Ryan Fredericks crashed out in typical West Ham fashion. It appears we can't even win at real sports or virtual sports. You just can't make it up, James, can you? We've got, uh, you know, whether it's Colchester, whether it's Gillingham, whether it's Oxford, it doesn't matter. This time it's an e-tournament. We've crashed that. Yeah, I mean, I actually watched the game. Um, 
I'm not normally into the old esports thing, but I thought I'll sit down and watch it. Um, and you know, he was two 0 down, one 0 down at half time, two 0 down, scored two goals in a minute to bring it back. And I thought, oh, we might actually win something here. But then um, he bottled it. And I mean, to be fair, Dwight Neil, quite a good little FIFA player. Um, so yeah, it was just it was just so typical, and you know, it, it was quite fun to watch actually. I might I might start watching more FIFA. Um, just hopefully support the winning team. <laughs> well, I know, James, you tweeted your relief that, uh, you know, you were just glad it was Burnley and not drawing Millwall in the cup because no one wants to see that. But we are, we've got, uh, we've got our own relief and our own pleasure because Jacob Steinberg from The Guardian is joining us next to give us the latest on everything that is going on. Welcome back to We Are West Ham. And just before we left you then, we were teasing that Jacob was joining us and that's exactly what has happened. We've delivered on that. Jacob Steinberg from The Guardian. Jacob, really, really good to get you on at the minute. A great time to get you on because even though there is no football, there is no sport in this current pandemic. There's still lots going on behind the scenes and at the club, reading your articles as well. But before we get into all of that, Jacob, and I know you are a Hammers fan yourself, how are you finding the time at the minute? How are you spending it in this lockdown? And how has your work changed uh, in its landscape? Uh, well, the, the most difficult thing is that uh, we've got a one-year-old boy at home, so we're trying to find a way to work alongside him. Uh, obviously, his, his nursery is shut. Uh, turns out that football writers aren't key workers so um, <laughs> we, we have to lump, lump that um it's been it's been quite strange i mean it's 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 a pre-season but there aren't even any transfers to write about there's not even the silly season so um you know we've been desperately searching for content at times um obviously there's been the whole uh, pay rail rumbling on and all the stuff about when the season's going to start but beyond that as well we're trying to you know, just find interviews with people, uh, maybe look at some more retro ideas, kind of look back into the past. I think people are quite into, readers seem to be quite into nostalgia. So um, like today on the Guardian website, uh, Nicky Bandini, who, who writes about Italian football for us, did a piece about Inter's um, treble season under Mourinho 10 years ago. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. It, 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 is, it is strange. Um, you know, it's just the it's just as, as much as anything else, and I'm not alone in this. It's just the, the, the working pattern, and you know, being being at home. And if you if you have kids, then obviously your work is going to um, probably not be quite as as good as you would hope. Um, but you know, uh, the Guardian's quite a good paper to work for, so it's quite understanding. Um, very very new age, very 21st century. So there's no there's no there's been no horrible uh, side to that, which you know is, is very nice. Appreciated. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure James will. Um, James will feel your pain on that one, Jacob. I'm uh, lucky enough, or perhaps sensible enough, to still be without children. So uh, um, I'm still uh, trying to make excuses for for my lack of work quality, but I'm uh, I'm yet to find one. Just a just a quick one. You uh, you mentioned there the the nostalgia, and I saw your piece the other day about uh, West Ham and your favourite game being at the Paolo Di Canio Man United game, which we'll come on to. But just um, from your your sort of glasses as a West Ham fan and a journalist, what have your what are your thoughts on West Ham's dealing with like the coronavirus situation when compared to perhaps some other clubs? We've seen the news about Mesut Ozil at Arsenal today. A few other clubs have 
have gone for pay cuts rather than deferrals. But West Ham seem to come out as quite a united front. A deferral seems to be a, a situation that everyone seems in, in football and away from football thinks is quite fair. What have, what have you made of the whole situation now the club's dealt with it? I think um, you know, I've, I, I set my expectations fairly fairly low because there <laughs> have been a few little problems, I guess, in, in PR-wise over the last... Um, for however long you, you want to say, but I think they've actually handled this really, really well, and not just because of the relative expectations. I think they've they've done it. They've been fine. You know, it's been. Uh, we haven't had any kind of issue around, um, say, that Spurs have, where they were very quick to, uh, to to make use of the government's furlough scheme, um, which seemed to be uh, quite, you know, a little bit, too, a little bit hasty in, in doing that, and obviously. Newcastle owned by uh, Mike Ashley. Um, it was not too much of a surprise that they went for it. Obviously, Liverpool had the, the backlash after after doing it when, I think, what was it about two two months or so, one month ago, where they had announced that they made a pretty healthy profit and it didn't really seem like they needed to do so yet. I think West Ham have been pretty good on that front. I think, you know, they were very quick to say that, um, that their uh, full-time and, and casual non-playing staff were continue to be paid in full um you know the owners have, have uh, obviously they're uh they're, they're not taking the interest on their on their loans to the, to the club I can't remember if they're not taking it or if they've decreased it at, I can't, off the top of my head no I, did, uh, I, I actually spoke to the spoke to the club about that because i was working on something in the days leading up to the announcement and um it was it was all i think the the statement that came out it was kind of shoved in there in the middle deliberately woolly but I did clarify with them afterwards, and uh, and I was I've been told that it was actually they they've frozen interest on that money uh, on that loan. Sorry, yeah, while um, the while the players have as well. So it was it was sort of a bit woolly in the statement whether it was a cut or a deferral by the board. But I think they are actually it will actually be a cut, which is uh, which is pretty commendable. Obviously, it's been a big issue for for supporters the the interest that uh, David Sullivan and, and David Gold take out of. Um, out of the club and uh, I again I can't remember off the top of my head what it what? was in the last financial year 1.9 million yeah it was obviously quite a lot last last year and um, and when, <laughs> and those accounts came out obviously you have to publish the account so you can't you can't really delay it and um, it came out I think just after they had uh, had the pretty bad cup home defeat against uh, West Brom so the mood around them was particularly poor so it didn't really help them um, but you know, it's, it's good to see them uh, chipping in and obviously Karen Brady taking the, the pay cut as well. I think, like a lot of clubs, I think that um, I think West Ham would have edged towards if it was possible to to get the players to take a pay cut. I think um, that would have, that for a lot of clubs that would be the ideal situation because this is an as you all know it's an unprecedented situation for for football. I think there's going to be uh, a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of issues down the line because it's really difficult to see the season getting going anytime soon. Even with this sort of told that the best case scenario is June, but if you sort of look at the front of the of the paper and, and gauge the overall situation in the country, that does seem quite optimistic. So there are financial issues coming down the line, uh, and that's not just applied to West Ham. And it can sort of seem surprising to see a club as big as our because Chelsea looking for for pay cuts, but if you speak to people in in the in the game and at times there are people who are sympathetic towards it. That's that's not universal. There are others who say that clubs are are kind of trying it on, and um, I think 
you know, people maybe look at uh, Tottenham, who've uh, had a bit of a PR nightmare during the coronavirus uh, pandemic and, and, and think that perhaps um, there wasn't perhaps that huge need for them, A, to furlough and B, to press for, for cuts. You know, the, the impression is that Spurs are, Spurs are kind of quite wealthy, but they may say, you know, <laughs> that they're, that they're, that they're uh, entire essence of being, which is playing football, is completely on hold. And um, like, like a lot of clubs, that they, they simply have no way of, of making money at the moment and there's going to be some kind of reckoning i mean you know if you look at you look at west ham and you know there's no match day there's no match day income there's no television they can't i don't think they can sell anything at the moment because obviously the shops are shut it's not essential um so it's a very difficult situation for for them to negotiate and just just on west ham of course they made they made a loss last year in those accounts and um and and which didn't necessarily show that the club was in the best financial position Jacob, you, I mean, some would say that this situation at the moment has kind of come with the There's never a right time for anything like this to happen. But um, just before this happened, there was a protest for the fans were really picking up the pace. Uh, the last two home games, particularly, and you know, there was there was real. Um, there was a lot of voices coming out, you know, a lot of pressure on the board to start making a lot of, a lot of changes. And what, do you, what do you make of all of that sort of building up to sort of over Christmas and into the new year? Um, do you think the fans were, were right to sort of, you know, really sort of gather more momentum, much like it was a couple of years ago, just without the, 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 the social unrest that came with it? I think I think that the, the problem that that can sometimes come from from outside the perception that would come from people who maybe aren't so tuned to, to West Ham is that it seems to bubble up when the team aren't aren't doing so well. So, you know, in a, you probably didn't see this happen so much last season when things were maybe relatively promising under under Pellegrini. But then, um, you know, Ham- Hammers United were kind of getting themselves together, weren't they, uh, around this time last year? And it's, it's clear that they 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 didn't just sort of pop up out of out of nowhere. They didn't just pop up in January and, and February just because the ten year anniversary of Sullivan and Gold were was coming about. They they've been building momentum for quite a long time. And from their perspective, it's that the um that they they feel that it dates back really just simply quite simply to the to the London Stadium move, which for a lot of fans has, has simply been unforgivable. It's been a been a mess. I mean, it's it's. My perspective, it's it's not a football stadium. It's uh, it's an athletic stadium. It's quite a good athletic stadium, but there are so many issues. There are so many issues in, in when it's when it's in its football mode. Um, I, th- I, th- I think uh, you know I, I can totally understand. I can totally understand where the fans were coming from. It, it has been. It has just been extremely underwhelming in um, in the uh, in the London Stadium. And I think that really is is what it's all about. I don't think we would be if 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 West Ham were struggling at this point uh, of, of Sullivan and Gold's tenure at the club, but they were at Upton Park. I think we would just see it maybe as more of the same. I think we would kind of be quite used to it. The problem is, is that the uh, expectations were ramped up when uh, leading up to the move. Uh, if you go back to, to obviously to what uh, Karen Brady said, I think in, I think it was perhaps just around 2013 when I think they had landed the stadium or they were close to landing it. And obviously the, the, the infamous line that will probably haunt her forever was a world-class stadium in a, uh, a world-class stadium with a world-class team or a world-class team in a world-class stadium. And um, obviously they don't really have either of those and they've not been 
certainly on the pitch, they've not been close to that. I think there's been a lot of, um, well, a lot of poor signings. There's been some uh, wasted money at times. It's been a perceived lack of investment, um, perhaps more so during the Billich uh, when Billich was there in the first Moyes, um, uh, the, the first Moyes spell. I think they've probably started to dip into the pocket a little bit more. But the problem is, if you if you promise people the world and and you know they they end up seeing what is it four relegation battles in in, in five years and um or three and four not quite world class was it yeah uh, you know of course and and you cut you throw into that as well you know that there were circumstances around it but you throw into that you know this the sale of Pyatt and you know the the last season at Upton Park was was so fantastic and within you know typical West Ham within within a year the, the best player's gone you know and he's actually if you look at the fee that he was he was sold for, it, it, compared to players of, of equivalent ability, what they were going for, probably West Ham undersold him as well. Um, it, it just it just wasn't handled right, and I think a lot of the anger simply comes down to the stadium. If you sold you know you've sold your soul for that place, and you know as a, you hear it every week, and whenever the away fans are there, is the very <laughs> accurate chant to which there probably is no comeback is you're not West Ham anymore. Absolutely. I think I think to be honest, there's only so many there's only so many times you can you can deny the the seemingly inevitable. But I do I do find it a little bit difficult for those people calling for them to go. Unfortunately, while you know I think perhaps that would be long term the best thing, uh, more than anything else, just because I'm not sure they're wealthy enough to deliver on that promise anymore, given the money we've seen coming into the league. But um, one thing uh, just to Hopefully, on on that, the, something will happen within the next few years. But from from my point of view, if if you're looking at a, a conservative estimate, say six hundred million pound business, is that going to be more important to to them? Who you know, they're worth one point five billion pounds between them, Gold and Sullivan. I think it's just a grin and bear it and try and get through the uh, the awful PR until such a time where, where they can sell the club. Just uh, just to move on, uh, Jacob, last season you had quite a, a, a public spat, um, if I can, if you'll forgive my phrasing there, with a, with a section, a significant section of the West Ham fans after some stuff you wrote, uh, some legitimate articles, one about the uh, supporter who resigned from the official supporters board after some anti-Semitic uh, material that I think he posted, um, that sort of blew up into into a bit of a thing with uh, with quite a, a few of our West Ham supporters groups. What, what sort of happened with that since then? Has anything rumbled on, or did that sort of change your no, relationship no. with other West Ham fans then? Uh, it's, I, oh, I don't know if it changed. It hasn't. Um, I think it's pretty much died down at this point. I think um, it's more than a year ago now. Um, I think uh, yeah, it didn't really change my didn't really change my uh, relationship with people that I the people that I know because I've know quite a lot of obviously know quite a lot of West Ham fans and spend quite a lot of my time um, in various messaging groups talking to talking to people. It you know it's it's, it's hard. Uh, it was probably hard at the time for it not to slightly colour your perception of the of the club and sort of slightly um, make you veer away from it, but. Um, I think what I've what I've discovered over the maybe the last um, in in that time is it's sort of been a bit of bit, bit of distance from it. Is that it's quite hard to uh, it's quite hard to let go. You know, when, when my when my son was born last um, last April, I was kind of we were kind of thinking that maybe we should 
maybe take him somewhere else. Um, but I can't quite find a uh, can't quite find a compelling reason to do that. Um, equally, I'm not sure. There are times though when you 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 do wonder whether whether you'd like to take him into that stadium, whether whether even even he would whether kids enjoy it. I don't know. I've heard a lot of kids don't. Um, they, they can find it quite sort of alienating in there. Um, and I think you know I, I have I've only been there a handful of times as a fan, but there have been times where you've kind of you you, you do hear stuff um, not necessarily anti-Semitic, but the atmosphere in certain parts of it can be can be quite um, can be quite upsetting. I I have found though I've not been there as a fan for quite a while. Maybe I think the last time I did was the Spurs. The Spurs Cup game uh, last season uh, uh, in the League Cup. Pretty and, wild and on that, that night, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was a night. It was it was it was kind of nasty. You know, when 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 Son scored, I heard um, somebody saying something discriminatory, and you know th- those kind of things. It, I've been going to football long enough to know that to know that it, uh, that, it, that it happens. But, but there comes a point where you, you sort of do start to get a little bit sick of it, and, um, and obviously there, there were there was. Subsequently to that, there was also the obviously the Mo Salah incident. It, it it becomes it becomes harder to just sort of gloss over it. There, there becomes a point where you do start to wonder, exactly, you know, what the mindset is and, and who you're sharing the 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 area with the that, just that space with it at times, and, and whether you would how much you want to subject yourself to it, how much you want to subject your your children to it, but. At the same time, you have to say who, who who's it for? Is it for is it for them or is it for the people who don't do that? You know, do you, at what point do you feel like you have to be the one who who walks away? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's a very hard uh, line to line to walk, I guess. Yeah, I think Jacob, I've got I've got a very similar dilemma. My son's four months old, and growing up, it was always a a dream to one day take my son to West Ham and him grow up be a West Ham fan. But there are there are sort of voices in my head sort of saying every now and then is it is it the right thing to do particularly now with a new stadium obviously we'll never never experience that some part the way we did um and then obviously you've got the the behavior of, of a minority at the the club which could dampen it and then obviously the the performances which uh more often than not not very good um and when uh young impressionable football fans they, they want to see their teams win um and that kind of yeah kind of um sort of takes me on to our final question in that you know we're, we're all we've all been sort of promised this great club at um at london stadium it hasn't quite worked out now but once we get back into the swing of things and football back and, and things back to normal if it does get back to normal that is where'd, where'd, what do you what do you think the future um has in store for the club can you see there being any kind of progress um does it definitely need a, a change in ownership for that to happen uh, I would quite possibly for the. It depends what your expectations are for for West Ham. Um, I mean, someone someone once said to me that um, basically they should they should just a couple of years ago when they were struggling under Billich, and uh, someone said to me, you know, they 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 are rich enough basically to that they should always be comfortably fin- be finishing in mid table, but it's it's bad decision making at, at times that. That leaves you in the position where you, you end up struggling, and I do think that they they actually spend I think they spend enough money to to comfortably be mid table. I don't think that um, you know you can, you can point question you can point fingers here and there in, in, within the squad. You could look at last summer and say, oh well, why didn't they sign a proper central midfielder? Um, but the money was spent. It was the question of how, exactly how it was spent. You know, if they'd spent the 
25 million that was spent on four now. So it looks, you know, okay at times. Maybe questions over whether he's suited to the league. But if they'd spent that money on uh, on Thomas Suchek at the time, for example, to just you know, to pick him out because he's now there on, on loan, and not that anybody necessarily knew anything about him last summer, um, you know, perhaps it, it, the season would have been absolutely okay. And uh, if, you know, again, if, if, if Fabianski had, had, had not, had not got injured probably you know the team probably would have been fine I think that you know having Roberto in there was a such a such a handicap um I think you know I think that the team became extremely scared during during that period at, at the same time I, th- I had huge reservations over Pellegrini I think but I, I think that he wasn't necessarily the man to to build but I do think that Moyes quite possibly is you know again you can you can ask questions around the, the record at uh, Manchester United, what happened at Sunderland. I know some people think he's quite negative, but you look at the last few games before the before the suspension, they were actually, they were actually playing quite attacking football, scored a few goals, and uh, they were very unlucky, weren't they, to, to lose against Arsenal. If you take, um, if you take uh, the, the, the game against, uh, sorry, the, the signing of, of, of Jarrod Bowen, um, it's a clear indication of, of, of what Moyes potentially can give you um, of, of, of focusing on young, hungry players from the championship, which is basically what West Ham haven't been doing enough of. I think if you give him the time and space to do that, I think it's what he wants to do in his in his first spell there, probably what would have happened. They went down a different road with Pellegrini. But if Moyes is given the, the space to do that, I think that they could become uh, you know, perfectly decent mid-table side the, the question is how much money it takes to actually push into that top six and or, or even even the top eight because there are so many rich clubs in the Premier League now. Uh, it might quite possibly require a change of owners. At the same time, um, you know, a change of owners quite possibly means that you end up in the situation we see Newcastle in. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that I might, personally, I might take Sullivan and Gold over being bought by a rather questionable na- nation state um, where, where sports washing comes into it. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting how that one's going to play out. Who knows? Fans always want, don't they, Jacob, that, that, that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. We've been bought out by a very wealthy owner, but it doesn't always work out that way. Jacob, thank you, though, for giving us your time tonight. And we've kept our space. We've kept you at a sociable distance, but we really appreciate you coming on. We hope that you and your little one are safe going forward and all the family. And hopefully, Jacob, whatever way and, and whatever shape and form football comes back, we'll be uh, delighted to have you back on and get your take Jacob Steinberg there from the Guardian and West Ham fan giving us a little take on his season so far on We Are West Ham You're listening to We Are West Ham podcast and well what a show it has been so far because we were just joined by Jacob Steinberg from the Guardian and Hammers fans just saying in this unprecedented time in this pandemic what is going on behind the scenes at the club and maybe how David Moyes could be using the time and taking the team a little bit forward. But we are in uncharted territory, as you know, but we're in uncharted waters on the show because now we've run into a little bit of double trouble. No one knows where the next 10, 15 minutes of this show will go. And it's not double trouble where Will Pugh and James Jones are uh, concerned because it is Rosie and Molly Kamita. They have joined us 
unbelievable to get them both on the show. Who knows where it will end up, but girls, really good to get you on tonight. I know you've both loved the show. You've heard of it. You kept going, oh, when can we come on? When can we come on? We finally managed to pin down a date. Before we talk about football and your career so far, I know the guys will get into that. Just firstly, in this lockdown, are you all okay? Family well? How are you finding and what are you doing with your time, more importantly? Yeah, firstly, privileged to be on. Thank you so much for finally time. <laughs> I know you boys are busy, so appreciate it. But um, you know what? You know what boys, I'll be honest with you. We have turned into like little painters, gentle. Yeah, we've been yeah we've been good on the old DIY lately. Yeah. Um, we found Pilates as well, which has been good. Yeah. Yeah, no, but like overall, family's well. We've just been keeping really busy. So we've recently moved house, actually. Literally, the week of lockdown happened um, and we moved. So we've like it, it actually worked out to be perfect timing because we ended up having to sort everything out, you know, just start to freshen things up. So we've been nonstop. I could actually do with a break. Girls, yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us. Obviously, you've been, uh, as you mentioned, you have been begging us to come on for a while and we've finally made room for you in amongst all our other guests. But... Uh, one thing, I've, I've, I think you are our first guest who we've asked how to pronounce your surname before the broadcast, and you don't actually know. I think <laughs> everyone we've had on before has known their own name and how to pronounce it. So uh, I think that's certainly a first for We Are West Ham. Can you talk me through that first? Have you got anyone you could ask, perhaps? Well, uh, we told you that in confidence, first of all. I can't believe what, <laughs> what stitch up this has become.
Um, so I was one of two, so it was myself and Vian. Um, so we both played for for West Ham the season before they went professional, um, and then yeah, we both got taken on. Was that the, so? At the, you were one of two, is that right? At the time, yeah. yeah. Okay. How yeah. did you find that transition into the the? Was it quite a big step up the next season? Yeah, it was huge. You know, um, myself and Molly, our, our careers have been a, a little bit different to every other pro footballer, I suppose. And when I entered that league, I realised that. So every other girl in the West Ham team that I was sitting around had gone through like academy systems and, you know, really lived and breathed football their whole life. Like myself and Mole went to university and, you know, went into jobs. And then all of a sudden the pro, the pro contract, you know, kind of landed on my lap uh, type of thing. So it was something that I didn't really think would ever happen to me, especially not at the age of 24 anyway. That was quite late on for, for that to happen to me. Um, but yeah, the transition was... Oh, tough, <laughs> tough. It mm. was hard for me to adjust to uh, the difference in training. I went from training twice a week to every day. Um, and with that, that comes like huge difficulties. But I think the squad that I had around me at the time and the group of girls and even the management made that transition as easy as it could have been for me. And, and obviously, you're both sisters. You can tell just from talking to you now how close you are. Your bond and your chemistry must be strong as with anyone that you know, your friends and your family. But obviously, is there a time when one of you wants to do the complete opposite? Because you did both for a time. But for one of you, did you want to play on? And how, when times are that little bit tougher, do you lean on each other? Because not only are you friends and you do that you're in the same profession... You are sisters, so when there is highs, there's lows, you do have each other to lean on. Yeah, definitely. No, you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think, um, yeah, Ro Rosie got her pro contract and I had already stopped playing football a season before. Um, and it was the first time in our lives, really, that we had started to have conversations that go, hang on, I feel this way about something and you feel another way. It was the first time that... And actually voicing that. Yeah, well. I'm, I'm yeah. voicing that because actually when you become... And, and even now we do it, we speak as a two and everything's us and everything's we. When you live your life like that and all of a sudden you've got to start to look at how you feel as an individual and not worry about how she feels, you have to become quite selfish and that's difficult, a difficult thing to do when all you've ever known is to live as a two. Um, so when I started to feel less passionate, maybe less motivated and started to find more passion. Sorry, someone's at the door. Um, but with social distancing, I don't know who's coming around, but they're going home. Um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so when I started to find myself wanting to do different things, the conversations were really difficult and we hit, we, we hit um, a few moments where we just, we, we were falling out quite a lot because for once we had to deal with having a bit of conflict in our relationship because she wanted something different to me and I didn't like it. That's the truth. <laughs> This, this might backfire a little bit on us uh, the show, but growing up, were you both West Ham fans? Um, <laughs> so, no. Okay, so we've, we've not come on here to lie to you. I think uh, West Ham will always be in, be in our hearts. We played for them for, for years. Um, Don't say Tottenham. Whatever club you, <laughs> whatever club you play for, you always have a, a soft spot there. But no, we 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 never we, we live in North London. We have grown up as Spurs fans. I'm so sorry. Um, it's really good you gave us the time to come on tonight. Uh, we'll hopefully speak to you both soon. Uh, that wasn't someone at your door. That was actually your cue to leave the show and, and go because uh, we can't have any Spurs fans on the show. Obviously, look, the, the, the women's game is going from strength to strength at the minute. It, it's massive and, you know, sponsors. And it's really taken 
you know, a, a massive jump up in, in everyone's eyes, the exposure, the profile. And obviously, at this current pandemic, maybe actually now it, it could be at a disadvantage. And there is a worry that the, the women's game could struggle. What, what are your thoughts on this at the minute? Uh, it's, a, it's a hard one to call, right? Because this is something that's never happened before, the, the whole pandemic that's going on at the moment. I think it will be a huge shame for the game if this was to impact it financially as talks are going on at the moment because the games, as we mentioned earlier, it's come so far in such a uh, short amount of time that it would just be a, a huge shame to yeah. see that all that hard work go to waste. I think, to be honest with you, I think if that was to happen at this point, um, it pretty much would be everything that probably everyone's expecting to happen. They probably expect women's football to be the first thing that sort of goes and that cannot be what happens because for us and for everyone involved in the game, it's so important that people continue to um, sponsor it, continue to watch it, continue to support it in any way that may be. Um, so for us personally, um, it will be a huge shame. But but no, I don't see anything like that happening. The, the game's come on too, too far now for that to happen, in my opinion. Girls, that sort of brings me on quite nicely to my next question. I was going to say, you look at the WSL at the moment, I think you've got Man United, Chelsea, Manchester City and Arsenal, not in that order, I don't believe, but occupying the top four spots. Do you find that the women's game has gone or is going in a similar direction to that of the men's where it's the people and the clubs with money who have started doing well already? You've got some big stars playing at, certainly up at Man City, at Chelsea as well. And you, you, you can sort of tell already looking at that league, you've got big names or wealthy names at the top of the women's league as, as it is in the men's. Do you, do you find that? And because of that, perhaps, uh, based on what you said just now, do you think that because there's that money there from the clubs themselves that the financial impact of all this might not hopefully be as bad as some people are expecting? Mm, it's catch-22. It's so hard because we need the money. So actually... I'm never, we're never going to sit here and go, oh, yeah, it's shambles that the top four clubs get thrown loads of money and the rest don't. To be honest with you, I think the money needs to happen. I just hope that the more that happens, it makes the clubs that don't support as much financially maybe pull their finger out a little bit more to say, do you know what? If we want to get anywhere in this league, we have to financially back it. We mm. need to do everything that we can. Maybe look at those top four clubs and see what they're doing, work together as a unit, really, because what we can't have is the top four drift away and then the women's game and the and the weekly league become um, quite predictable. And, yeah, I, and I exactly think that, that. that's the, the beauty of the women's game at the moment in comparison to the men's, that you don't quite have that yet. So I hope that's kept, but you don't know, money talks, doesn't it? It does. I mean, West Ham women's team, uh, they're eighth at the moment in the league. Yeah. Um, FA Cup final last year which is great. Um, and they seem to sort of be going, sort of growing very, very rapidly. Uh, so what have you made uh, of that sort of that rise and sort of where do you see them going in the future? Can you see them sort of catching up with, with the top four, top five clubs? Yeah, definitely. Look, look that, that club, they have such great individuals. Every single player on that team is a player. You know what I mean? Like, very good. So I don't see why not. Um, I don't think they have the, the calibre to be sitting at eighth, to be honest. I think they should be higher off the table. Yeah. Um, but you'd like to think that that will happen uh, moving forward. Do you know what I mean? These things take time. But even, you know, what's what's happened in the background at the club has been amazing. We actually have lived through that as well. We were at the club when it, it did take the transformation and it did take the step up into the Super League. Um, and to see sort of what's happened behind the scenes there, Jack Sullivan coming in, the work he's done has been amazing. And... He's, a, he's, he's someone that really 
took took on something and has made it work. And you know, we we really get on with Jack. He's he's been a pleasure throughout the years to work with and and play under. So yeah, for us, it's, it's been it's got it's in great hands. So let's just hope that it carries on. Sorry, two secs. Has my has it gone dead, Jonesy? Or can you still hear me? Still hear you, mate. You're just frozen. No. Oh. You look wonderful, Will. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I didn't know if you were just playing a really good game of like musical statues. <laughs> I thought you're well in front. You shoot yourself out, we'll carry on. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a picture of this. this is like- <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> Tweet it at. Jesus. Oh, yeah. She still won't follow you, though. When I follow you, <laughs> <laughs> well. Handsome geezer, blimey. Uh, right. Well, while Will talks himself out, uh, you mentioned Jack Sullivan there. Um, you did the, the iPad series with him as well. What was that like, sort of getting involved in and in having a club run by someone younger than you? Um, uh, do you know what? It was just lovely to see how passionate he is mm. and and was about it when the, when the, when the, um, the, the professional... Yeah, no, it, Rosie's right. He's so passionate. And when he first came in, and I remember, to be honest with you, I remember the first day he came in and sat sat with everyone and, and said what he was going to do. And honestly, the plan of what he said that day is exactly what he's done. And I think regardless of, regardless of your age and regardless of what you've done before, if you're going to say something and then execute it to the way that he's done that, then, you know... You've got to have respect for him, yeah, right? we respect him 100%. Were you about girls for the iPlayer series when that was shot as well? I seem to remember at least one of you being, yeah, around at the time. Yeah, yeah, What was yeah. that like? Do you know what? It was really cool. Like, you kind of just got used to it on a day-to-day basis, just having cameras everywhere. Like, you'd go and make a cup of tea and you just have a camera there. Do you know what I mean? Or I'm like hanging over you. Uh, she thought she was on Keeping Up With The Kardashians this <laughs> <laughs> He's just jealous that you weren't on it, Molly. Is that what it was? I know. I got a few features, but no, no. I think I think the show done done the club wonders, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. It was just great to be a part of it, and I think we are one of the first clubs in the WSL to do something like that. So the fact that other clubs are now doing it shows that it went well. I think. Right, the the Jilly Flaherty as well, uh, club captain at the moment. I don't know um, sort of how much if you've had to do with it. But she seems like a really, it seems like a great character to be honest. Quite uh, obviously played for some big clubs as well, but and a decent social media presence. She just seems really nice and yes. down to earth, and just one of those sort of the earth characters. Is there? Would have you sort of what were your dealings with her before, and did you find the same as as what she appears to everyone else? Yeah, Jilly was one of the the old uh, senior members. I'm not going to say older senior members. That when I obviously come in and she knew I was new to that environment, she really took me under her wing the whole year. Like, would just talk me through how it was okay if I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed, and just was always there um, as a teammate and as a friend. Do you know what I mean? So what you see on social media and what you see on camera is exactly what you get. Uh, behind closed doors as well so it's lovely I think that's one of the most amazing things actually about women's football like that judgment you've made off Jilly on her social media is exactly right and I think with women's football you get so much more of an insight into the person as well as the player because everyone's a lot more open Um, so actually I think that's one of the that's one of the things I think women's football never loses regardless of where it goes 
It's certainly less filtered, isn't it? You get a lot more, it's less PR training and all that sort of thing. You kind of, like you say, what you see is a bit more of, of what you get, unlike the men's game. Um, just a couple more before we let you go. One thing that did interest me in when I was doing my research, as you can tell I've done earlier on, uh, Rosie, you've got a blue tick on Twitter, I believe, <laughs> and Molly hasn't. However, you've both got a blue tick on Instagram. So Rosie, clearly more famous, clearly more well-known. Not that I'm trying to drive a wedge between the two of you. But the most important question that I had, on Instagram, there's a Kamita fans account. And having to get to know you briefly on this chat, I'm now almost certain that it's one of you. Is that <laughs> Yeah, look, boys, boys, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. We're that's not going to lie. That's what we've been doing in our lockdown. We didn't want to say it earlier. But what we do is we make our own fan pages and we've uh, followed <laughs> everyone. Yeah, follow is Kamita fans on Instagram. But wait, why are you actually aware of the uh, the Kamita fans page on Instagram? Right, so what happened with that? We are aware and my older sister messaged and got a little bit protective and was like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> We know who he is. Like everything's fine. No, he, we know who he is. It's, it's, it's fine. Yeah, happy. Yeah, happy. he's a uh, yeah, yeah, nice guy. I like it. You're not revealing the identity, so we still don't know, in fact, if it is actually one of you two that's created this burner account, <laughs> this fans group. Well, we'll leave it on a positive note. What what does the future hold for you two at the minute? What is your next chapter? Uh, there's a few exciting bits coming up. Yeah, uh, for us media wise. Yeah, it. Yeah, we're. we're as we said earlier, boys, we're, we're definitely in a transition at the minute. We're our own careers and, and where that's heading. So, yeah, a lot of um, new stuff coming up that, yeah, we can't, we haven't really got a plan. We're just going to say yes to a lot of stuff and see how it goes. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. We finally got round to answering your constant stream of DMs to get you on the show. We're glad we could tie you down. Really good to speak to you both tonight. We look forward to see what you do with your fan page next. We're really excited for all the opportunities on that one. Make sure you answer that door, but you keep at safe social distance, Rosie and Molly Kamita. They're really good to get them on the show, as we are on We Are West Ham. And stay around because the quiz, the Rogue Mystery Players quiz, is up next. Welcome back to the heavyweight ending of the show. It is the Rogue West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. And just before we bring in our contestants, what a show we've had tonight. The Committer Twins, Jacob Steinberg from The Guardian. It's just been a packed show. And if only we can end it on a higher, because it just keeps getting higher and higher that bar. It is the quiz. And it has been an impressive, tense few weeks. Before we speak to our contestants and get their thoughts on it, I just have to say, hopefully tonight, the champion at the minute, no extracurriculum for you, James. You've been swatting up, as me and Will found out a little bit. We had a bit of a stewards. How have you spent your time before tonight's quiz? Um, I haven't done any swatting this week. Um, as I said at the beginning of the show, I'm, I'm, I've been really refreshed and confident this week. And I would like to say that last week wasn't cheating. I had to do a quick <laughs> work. And it just happened to be on West Ham on shirt numbers. And that, that's it, really. And so, you know, but it didn't it didn't really aid my, my victory last week. Well, I was always going to win last week. Uh, sorry, sorry. I did that quiz, the one you sent me the quiz, and one of the answers was Mark Vivian Fay on the quiz that you sent me. What? So if you're telling me that that didn't help, you're, first of all, you're having a laugh. 
And secondly, James, you might have tried to get out of it on some technicalities there, but I think ultimately, and I've had you know streams of messages on Twitter and the new uh, We Are West Ham email, which is wearewestampod at gmail.com this week, telling me that you know James has gone at you with some technicalities there, but we all know it's against the spirit of the Rogue Mystery Players <laughs> quiz. And I think that is the general feeling uh, that, you know, it's a bit like when Olympic drug cheats say, well, that <laughs> substance wasn't banned at the time. You knew you were doing wrong. It's against the spirit of the sport and the mystery players quiz. So you've brought it into disrepute. But I think the only way to combat people like you is uh, is to win and win honestly, like I'm planning on doing tonight. James, a bit of quiz doping. I think you're still a little bit under pressure, Will. Five weeks after the quiz... I'm one ahead, which means all I've got to do is win two more of these, and I've done it. Mm. And James, have you won four on the spin, or am I making that up? Something like that. I've lost count these days. Yeah, hey. it's quite impressive. But, Will, I want to put a little bit of a disclaimer in, because me and Reese chat every week, and he gives me the quiz. And I want to read you. This is what he says in the email. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I've sent this over because Will needs a big one. He needs a win. So this, these are the clues tonight. I mean, Will, you're even like the quiz master's been reduced to maybe slightly easier players because you need a big one. Uh, I mean, James is, is saying he lost count of uh, having won four weeks in a row. He's obviously swiftly forgotten about the uh, mystery players quiz record winning streak of six that I had oh. nine six down to twelve nine up. Look, it's a huge week for me this week. More than anything, uh, I need the I need I need the game week wins first. The points difference they'll take care of themselves. But if I can get four of the last five game weeks that we've got left one, then that's me winning outright. If it's three two, then I'm relying on points difference. I know it's huge this week, and uh, again, you know, I just like to reiterate to everyone at home: if I don't win, it's because I haven't been studying and revising in line with the uh, the spirit and general feeling of the mystery players quiz. So before we get to the quiz, Will, we always go to a current update of the standings. We know that James is on a hot streak, he's on a run, but how do those standings lie? Yeah, it's 13-12 uh, to James at the moment and 39-36 on points difference. So there's uh, a, quite a big gap all to play for. Yeah, all to play for. You're needing something of a whitewash, a clean sweep tonight, but it is still all to play for. Three players, five clues. They do get easier, but if you know them, lads, shout it out. Will's always quick shout out, but if you are playing along at home, how do you get on tonight? Player number one, clue number one, has played for five London clubs. Clue number two, signed for West Ham on a free transfer. Teddy Sheridan. Incorrect. Jimmy Walker. Incorrect. First goal was against Macclesfield in the Football League Trophy. A playoff winner. Devonport? Nope. Shirt number 24. Ryan Frederick. Nolan? It is Ryan Fredericks and it is 1-0 to James Jones and Will once again goes behind. He's snatching at the players. It is Ryan Fredericks. We move on to player number two. Could James get the victory before we get to player number three? The tension is truly on Will Pugh. It is player number two. Began their career at Toulon in France. Played only 11 games for West Ham. David Bellion. Incorrect. 
never scored in the Premier League for West Ham or or another clubs that he played for. Youssef Sofian. Incorrect. I like the belly on chat though, by the way. Shirt number 25. Diego Tristan. Incorrect. The Guinean International. Would you say Guinean? Mm. Emmanuel Nimni? No. <laughs> Nimni. <laughs> Do you want me to quickly recap those five clues for player number two? Yeah, began their, began their career at Toulon in France. Played 11 games for West Ham. Never scored in the Premier League for West Ham or other clubs he played for. Shirt number 25. A Guinean international. That's a tough one. That. It's a tough one. Do you want to bank it? Yeah, go on, we'll bank. Right, we'll bank. This is player number three. Clue number one. Played over 300 games in English football. During this time, he's been loaned out to five different clubs. Has 30 goals for West Ham. Debut was against Manchester City away. Fingers on the buzzers because you're going to get this. Scorer of the first league goal at the London Stadium. Kiyati? No. Antonio. That's correct. And James Jones has won tonight and it is 2-0. And he has not got that. Oh, it's unbelievable. That was a bit of a shocking guess with those five clues, Will. It oh, is 2-0. Oh, James oh. has the points. He has the W. He has the victory. Can he get a clean sweep? Will, a little bit of pride needs salvaging. We go how, to play number two. Clue how number one. These current players began their career at Toulon in France. Played 11 games for West Ham. Never scored in the Premier League for West Ham or any other club he played for. Shirt number 25. A Guinean international. Initials. KD. Cabadillara. And that is correct. And Will, you have got a little bit of a lifeline. It is 2-1. But James Jones, now we have to go to the, the updated standings because it is actually 14-12 to James Jones. It is 41-37 to James Jones. He has a two-week game cushion. He has a four-point lead. We're running out of weeks. And with that two weeks, we have to go to our champion once again. Now maybe a five-game winning streak. James, what do we say? I mean, yeah, what is it? Four weeks left now. It's squeaky bum time for Will. I've uh, got one hand on that trophy, or should I say that pint at the end of the season? <laughs> um, or, or several pints, whatever it, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm, I'm buzzing with that, and I can't believe Will gave it to me because he should have got the Antonio one. Should have. Yeah, got that was poor. We'll bring well, him in now, Will. Well, what do you say? Well, no, sorry. I thought we were playing the rogue mystery players quiz, not the current members of West Ham United squad quiz. Oh, he's raging. Oh, he's sorry. raging. He's raging. Poor Reese. Poor, um, poor Reese. Unbelievable. Yeah. This yeah. I mean, it does it. I, I said to myself a couple of weeks ago when I went after the quiz master um, after having a poor week. I think Paulo Alves, who is basically a Portuguese bus driver who once 
visited the training ground. Apparently, he counted as a player. I didn't come off very well when I went after Reese after that week. And I'm fine. Well, you said you wanted rogue players. He was a rogue player. Now he's gone non rogue, and you're still moaning with. So, where, <laughs> where is the balance? Where's the middle yeah. ground? No, I'm uh, congratulations, James, on uh, winning the current West Ham players squad members quiz for 2019 20. <laughs> and we'll be, well, hopefully, we'll be back to the rogue players by next week. Yeah, just to prove that James's uh, internet connection might not be great for Skype, but it's certainly good for Google when he's typing out these clues. We do have to admit James is on sterling form. Lads, we know the standings. We know that this is always a favourite, but what a show it's been tonight. Just a hat-trick of guests. It really, you know, we're taking home the ball with this one tonight. It's been an absolute wonder show. And Will, something of a wonder show. You're normally a little bit flat the week after, but we're going from strength to strength because we've got something up our sleeve. I want both of you to announce it. We've got a pretty a pretty big guest next week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm glad you threw to me, really, because I need something to pick me up. But, uh, yeah, buzzing again once again after Tony Carr last week, as you mentioned. Buzzing to have the Kamita twins and Jacob Steinberg, a hugely prominent journalist at The Guardian this week. But no, thanks in no small part to James Jones's vociferous hard work during the week and impressive contacts book uh, next week Jonesy let everyone know who we've got yeah so we've got coming up next week Bianca Westwood from Sky Sports News big West Ham fan formerly of the uh, also of the Knees and Mother Brown podcast as well um, she did that for a while uh, she's going to be on next week to discuss all things West Ham with us and uh, yeah yeah we're hugely excited to, to get Bianca on I can't I, I thought it was Tim Westwood was joining us <laughs> I think he's, he's the week after Charlie you never know <laughs> that is unbelievable I'm buzzing when James gave us the news just a brilliant guest to get on we know big West Ham fan as well uh, to get Bianca always uh, uh, we get special guests on but each week uh, certainly James some very good work there really excited so we'll have Bianca on the show another edition of the quiz and all that West Ham news we will be giving to you. We really hope you enjoy the show. As always, get in touch. Keep giving us the reviews. Keep sharing us. Get in touch on the email as well. Wearewesthampod at gmail.com. We will see you next week. This has been We Are West Ham. James Jones, Will Pugh and me, Charlie Hawkins. Up the hammers. Come on the irons. We will see you next week. Podcast Network.